Welcome to another edition of the InsuranceAUM.com podcast. Last year alone, we had 13 companies that defaulted on their financial maintenance company. Insurance companies have embraced new ideas. Cost of capitals has gone up higher. It's critically important what's happening with the jewelry market for gold. The Fed's been trying to fight inflation with these rate hikes. The timing is just perfect. Once the market stabilizes, you should start to see an influx of deal flow. My name's Stuart Foley. I'll be your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Today's topic is a very good one. How is the macro environment impacting middle market lending? We are joined today by Kevin Marchetti, partner and chief risk officer of Veragon. Kevin, welcome, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, pleasure to be back with you. Thank you so much. Because credit markets are moving so quickly, we try to timestamp these things. So this is around uh, noon central on Thursday, April 6th, that I'm looking over your shoulder and the Masters is on and it's a good time of the year. It always seems like this is when spring is coming out, right? This is good stuff. So let's start with the icebreakers like we always do. Where'd you grow up? What was your first job? Not the fancy one. And a fun fact. So I I grew up in upstate New York, true upstate New York, in the Syracuse, uh, New York area. So closer to Canada than New York City. My first job, it's timely. I was a caddy at the uh, local club that was in town. So I was a big golf fan, but that was my first real job in high school. The fun fact, I played uh, Division three college football, and my claim to fame is that my teammate was uh, John Cena, who is a oh, uh, there you you know, an entertainer, movie star, and WWF champion. Nice job. <laughs> And a car guy. He's a big car guy. <laughs> and a car guy. Yeah, he's a car guy. And a guy. car guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching uh, that he was having a custom car builder build him like an MG GT. Yep. The, the primary modification was to, to f- allow him to fit in it, which is, which is no small feat. Right. right. So <laughs> just as an overview for folks who may not be familiar with Varagon, can you talk a little bit about who you are? where you focus, and just kind of some overview facts, it would be helpful, I think. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So Varagon Capital Partners, we were formed in June 2014. We manage about $15 billion in assets today. We specialize in investing in senior secured, you know, first lien and unit tranche loans to performing middle market businesses that are backed by private equity firms, prominently in the US. Our core strategy has always been focused on you know, recession resilient end markets such as critical B2B, healthcare, consumer staples in the packaging and food and beverage space, as well as established software companies uh, and aftermarket auto. We've deployed in excess of $24 billion to over 300 plus borrowers in the middle markets at inception with an average annual default rate of about five basis points over that period of time uh, and an unlevered net IRR of about 7.1% over that same period. We've completed transactions with over 140 private equity firms in the U.S., and we are a lead lender on uh, 90 plus percent of the transactions that we do. We've got about 85 to 90 employees across the U.S., predominantly in New York, with offices in Fort Worth and Chicago as well. That's terrific. Thank you. So you were on with us about eight months ago. A few things may have changed since then. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about the macro environment? higher rates, inflation, et cetera, since we last spoke? Look, the notable changes to the U.S. macro environment in the last eight months or so 
have absolutely, as, as you said, been driven by Fed policy and the overall uncertain economic environment. The Fed's been trying to fight inflation with these rate hikes over the last year plus, which have driven the, you know, the 10-year Treasury, I think, you know, north of 150 basis points since the last time we caught up before the recent decline because of the banking-wide system events, which I'll touch on in a bit. You know, I think specific to the market segment where Varagon operates, again, which is senior secured, sponsor-backed middle market companies, you know, loans are typically floating rate, right? 100% of our portfolio is floating rate. So as such, this move in rates has had an impact on our portfolio and the new investment opportunities that we pursue. You know, with the reference rate for our underlying loans, you know, now eclipsing, you know, 500 basis points, you know, I think three months, so for today's right around 500 bips, three month LIBOR still there is over 500 basis points. You know, we've seen borrowing costs and, and correspondingly investor questions around the stress in the middle market increase pretty dramatically over that period of time. So given this dynamic, you know, we've spent a tremendous amount of time stress testing our portfolio and continuing our kind of deep credit focus on as we evaluate our existing accounts and new investments that we're pursuing. I think, Stuart, at a high level, it rolls right into, I think, what we've seen with those macro challenges. It's a reinforcement, really, of the Varagon strategy that we talked about, you know, eight months ago. Resiliency in recession-resistant end markets has been the key for us. And these dynamics, you know, have reinforced for us that our investment and portfolio construction strategy is performing exactly as we would have hoped, namely given the fact we focus on those segments and that we're the lead lender on 90 plus percent of our transactions. It allows us to control both the credit terms, the structural terms, and the documentation terms. And that's very important in the environment we're operating in today. You know, for example, we require at least one financial maintenance covenant in all of our transactions. And we benefit from attractive economics at the time of origination because we're a direct originator. And these core tenants have allowed our portfolio to perform what we believe exceptionally well, given the recent turbulence over the last 12 to 18 months. When I talk about stress testing, and this is very relevant right now for many of our investors, but specifically our insurance investors, you know, when we mention our stress testing, one of the questions we've got from our large insurance clients is, how's the portfolio been performing from an interest coverage perspective? given the rising rates and the impact of inflationary challenges on, on the underlying performance of the borrowers. And I think what we've done, and we can include this analysis alongside this podcast, is stress test the portfolio at a borrower level. So we have over 180 borrowers in our portfolio. So we've done a bottoms up analysis. Then we've also stressed and, and, and manipulated the reference rate and an earnings basis for all of those borrowers. And the results are pretty impressive. Utilizing Benchmark rates, again, for our transactions today, SOFR, so 5%, using a benchmark rate of 5% and looking at debt service going forward. So this is a look forward test. We're not doing an LTM test based on earnings. Our weighted average interest coverage across the Varagon portfolio is two times, pretty healthy. When you simulate SOFR rates going from 5% up to 6%, our interest coverage is still north of 1.8 times. So still feel pretty comfortable there. And then what we said was, all right, at benchmark rates of 5% going forward, if we stress test because of the inflationary pressures, stress test earnings across our portfolio by 30%, which we believe is a pretty draconian calculation, weighted average interest coverage is still north of 1.4 times. And then we've got an analysis where we also take benchmark rates up to 6%, stress earnings 30%, and we still have a coverage of 1.3 times. So 
that's a proof point that the sustainability of the capital structures that we underwrote to and put in place, those underlying borrowers, is there. And the performance of the earnings is there. And I think we're really pleased that, you know, north of 90% of our borrowers, Stuart, in the portfolio today can adequately cover their interest expense with SOFR benchmark rates going up to 7%. We're just under 500 basis points today, so we've got some run room there. And we still can cover our interest coverage on a weighted average basis of north of one times up to SOFR at 15%. Again, this is one example of the analysis we're doing for our investors in order to assess and stress the portfolio to factor in rising rates, factor in inflationary challenges, and how that's playing through with our portfolio specifically. One of the things, and and we really didn't talk about this, and you can pass on this question, (laughs) but I'm fortunate to have conversations with insurance CIOs and folks kind of in similar spots. And one of my recent conversations was uh, this person said, with some of the CovLite transactions that have taken place, you're going to see fewer defaults, big D, capital D default, and it'll be more of an amend and extend environment. And that while defaults would be lower than expected, recoveries in that person's opinion would be lower than expected. What's your take on that? I mean, what's your commentary there? Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great question. And I think for that exact reason is the sole purpose is why Baragon, our investment strategy, we've steered clear of covenant light financings since inception. So our portfolio today, 99% of our portfolio has financial maintenance covenants, at least one financial maintenance covenant. In some cases, we have multiple financial maintenance covenants because we need to be back at the table talking about situations before you have liquidity events, because you, you will just be at a point where a company's out of money and there's a situation at the table. So we've really tried to stay true to our investment thesis that you stick to the most resilient end markets that you can. Don't deviate, don't have style drift. You're a lead lender because you need to be driving terms and conditions and the negotiation of those. And you have to have a maintenance covenant because you have to get back to the table when there is some bumps in performance to negotiate adequate protections and manage through those situations accordingly versus a cov light scenario or what you'll heard cov loose over the last few years where you have a covenant at close that never steps down and you literally will have liquidity and payment defaults before you'd even be back at the table. So I, I think for us, I think we've solely focused on being in deals with financial maintenance covenants with teeth that get us back to the table well before there's any type of a potential big D default on the horizon. And what I mean by that is most of our covenant steward are we have cushions of call it 25 to 30% off of the closing earnings of the company stepping down. So we're getting back to the table and we're seeing that work, right? So it, last year alone, we had 13 companies that defaulted on their financial maintenance covenant, got back to the table. We were able to renegotiate an amendment that was adequate. In all of those instances, for the most part, liquidity was invested in those businesses by the private equity firms that we work with. We were able to negotiate increased rate for our investors, right? And we had we had a very constructive solution and it's working exactly as we expected it to. But uh, yeah, CovLite's a, a very interesting scenario. You know, I think in the great financial crisis, it was it was really reserved for 100 plus million dollar EBITDA businesses. Over the last, you know, six years, it crept, crept its way all the way down to $30 million EBITDA businesses. And I think there's going to be folks that have some difficult situations if we remain in a choppy environment for 
prolonged period of time. That's great color. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about, so you mentioned you do sponsored deals, right? So that alleviates me trying to figure out how to get financing for insuranceaum.com. So talk about my understanding of this is that the term sponsored means that there's a private equity firm involved and that under duress, that private equity firm could add to their capital position or you're not just lending to an independent company like ours. So talk to me a little bit about how that works just from as a lay person, I'm asking because this isn't my world. And why are you focused there and not lending directly to uh, businesses that are just without private equity backing? Yep. No, it's a great question. I, I, you know, our fundamental thesis is there is inherent benefits from focusing on private equity backed middle market businesses. You know, I think there's an element of, you know, especially in Varagon's case, right? We do all performing companies, right? We're not doing distressed or opportunistic. So these are very well capitalized businesses. Our weighted average loan to value across the portfolio is about 42%. So you have significant capital invested in all these underlying companies from deep pocketed private equity firms that have track records that they're building and have displayed over time of their portfolios and the way they invest and grow. And I think that, so in time challenging times, it's very beneficial to have those private equity firms to look to for you know infusions of capital. We saw that during COVID. We talked about this when we were on last time, when there was bumps in the road and uncertainty, they, they move very swiftly to cut costs, manage, bolster liquidity, manage vendors, invested equity in those businesses to solve those balance sheets through kind of 2022. Perfect, right? That's one of the fundamental things that we like to. But in this environment, which we really like and we think is an inherent benefit of it, is it's a challenging market right now on the new deal side, right? There's hung deals in the broadly syndicated market. There's liquidity scarcity because of lack of repayments and the rising rates and the delta between enterprise values. But when you have a portfolio of private equity-backed companies, and those sponsors are invested and focused on growing those platforms. It drives inherent volume out of your portfolio, which we really, really appreciate and like during this period of time. So when you look at 2022 for Varagon, we drove about 65% of our deployed volume out of the portfolio as private equity firms are continuing to look to execute on M&A opportunities for their portfolio companies. So doing add-on acquisitions that they finance with both equity It also drives incremental financing for us, which is good for our investors. And we benefit from those inherent cash flows that they're adding to those companies. In many cases, they're deleveraging events. So I think we fundamentally think having the sponsor involvement is great from a few perspectives. One, it's absolutely when there's bumps in the road and you need to go for that liquidity and that that step and and they can usually move faster than kind of a a founder-owned or or non-sponsor-backed company, right? Where you have family members or something like that. Sponsors move swiftly. And they also bring lots of capital. And then times of this, where you've got 180 bars in your portfolio, they have an economic interest to grow these businesses, invest in these businesses, and that drives volume for us on the financing side when the new deal side's a little bit more choppy. And I got to think that with that many loans outstanding, that you've got good familiarity with some of these sponsors and you know their personality, you have what I would refer to as tribal knowledge with some of these folks, right? I mean, you know, it matters because you're, you were there yesterday, you're there today, and you're going to be there tomorrow. And I've got to think that 
there's trust that gets built in there. Is that fair? I mean, that's, that's a fantastic point, right? With, with respect to familiarity, right? We take comfort in the fact we already know and we've worked with this private equity sponsor. We have a very good sense of how they underwrite and manage positions within their underlying portfolios. And then when you look at it next step at the borrower level, we've already underwritten those companies. We're receiving, in most cases, monthly financials, detailed MDNA ongoing weekly discussions with the management teams at, at those various bars. So we have a very good grasp on a granular level of that performance of those assets. And that's a fantastic way to deploy more dollars in a situation that you're in now, right? When new deals are scarce, credit quality overall is questionable. We, we love this, right? Familiarity is key. And, you know, on both the sponsor and the underlying asset level, and we love to drive, drive volume out of that. I mean, it's just a great way to deploy more dollars in the very good operating businesses. Yeah, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the market here. You know, there's been stress in the banks with SVB, with FRC, Signature, Credit Suisse. And I'll, I'll hearken back to this conversation that I was having with the, someone who is also a, a very sizable insurance investor who said that, in their opinion, banks are not going to lend more, right? They're going to probably lend less. And that middle market direct lending is going to be key in private credit in general, driven by insurance capital, is going to be key to maintaining economic growth in the U.S. economy. Do you agree with that? And can you talk a little bit about how this, these stress scenarios have impacted your market? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a great topic. I mean, the ongoing situation within the banking sector, right? SVB, First Republic Signature Bank, Credit Suisse, et cetera, is certainly something that we're focused on. As a part of our portfolio risk assessment, right? The first item we had to check the box. We checked across all of our names. And when you looked at it, because we don't invest in venture or ARR or software deals, our underlying portfolio and sponsors didn't have exposure to those banks, which was great. But I think at the end of the day, this drives more opportunity for direct lending middle market providers like Baragon, because we all know this will likely drive increased regulation within the banking sector over the nearer and longer medium term. And that will continue to drive better opportunities to be financed within our marketplace from private lender side, private credit side, that the banks aren't able to do. So I think absolutely. I mean, the, the look, right now you're in an exploratory period between you know, rising rates and, and value conversations between buyers and sellers. But that's going to normalize when people have a better visibility on where rates will go and how the inflationary challenges are hanging out with general economic sentiment. But I'm telling you, like, I think this drives tremendous volume for providers like Baragon in the near to medium term, because I think banks will pull back a little bit, not provide capital where they historically have, which can drive attractive relative values for us. Nice businesses that historically would have been done by a regional bank. Now they need a financing and we can get a, a really attractive, you know, senior secured financing at attractive rates in this environment. So I, I totally agree with that. And I think that the situation today hasn't had an impact on us directly, but I do think the near to medium term is really going to drive more opportunity for us on the financing front. So let's just kind of talk about market and strategy as you look forward here, right? So we had someone on talking about private credit. They referenced the idea that deal size is smaller. Sometimes valuations are challenged when somebody has to go back out for another round of financing. Can you talk a little bit about deal flow, what you're seeing 
How's the market shaping up right now? And, and where do you see the puck going? I think what we've seen through Q1 and what we expect really for the majority of this year is given the current environment, as you described, our expectation is that we will at Baragon continue to drive most of our deployment via add-on acquisitions within our, our existing portfolio, which we really, really like. But that will be the vast majority of the deployment, at least in the first half of this year, while selectively looking to bring in and add new platforms to the portfolio. The new platform segment has been slow to develop this far in 2023 as a repricing of credit, as we talked about, has caused you know leverage to decline. And then you've got the exploring but on enterprise value as a result of that with the equity checks and making those returns work for the private equity side. But also credit quality has really been spotty at best right in the first quarter of this year. We're very selective to begin with. Where we think the puck's going is new deal volume is going to be probably few and far between first half of this year. We do expect it to pick up in the back half of the year as people start to get better visibility. But that being said, Stuart, there's some really attractive opportunities for you to capitalize on if you have capital right now. We just did a deal. I'll give you a, an example, a real example. You know, We closed a transaction where we co-lead with another private credit lender. We did a four and a half times deal. That's about 40% loan to value, okay? So you're senior secured at SOFR plus 850 with 3% up front. So we're going to pick our spots. We'll absolutely love to add those to the portfolio. But I think we expect that to remain kind of the standard course for the next you know, three to six months. We're going to invest heavily in the portfolio, continue to support companies and benefit from the cash flows that are added to that. But I think that the, once the market stabilizes, which we think should be Q3, Q4 of this year, you should start to see an influx of deal flow because there's a lot of good companies that are just waiting to come to market, waiting to see where kind of price exploration lands and where rates are You know, at that point in time where the sentiment is on rates. Are we going to operate? Are we going to go up another 100 basis points? Is, are people triangulating in with the banking crisis that will kind of peak and will work our way down? TBD, right? I think people that's where people want to kind of analyze over the next couple of months. That's really helpful. I've learned, I learned so much. I mean, and you and I've had a chance to become kind of friends over, over the last little bit here. And it's really helpful and instructive for me to be able to talk to somebody who's a, a real expert in, in this market. I've got one new fun question for 2023. We're going to try it out right now. Uh, it's not that new, but it's a little bit new. Who would you most like to have lunch with alive or dead? That's a fantastic question. And uh, I think... doesn't have to be one person. It could be more than one. It could be a group. It could be a group? Yeah. Oh, man. You really got me here. I, I'm a huge sports fan and I read tons of books and watch lots of documentaries. If I could sit down and have lunch with anybody, and I'm not even a Bulls fan, I think I would want to sit down and have lunch with Michael Jordan just so I could, you know, I watched The Last Dance. It was fascinating. I've read a lot of books about him and I would love to just, you know, his way of leadership and just his way to motivate people to me is, and get the best out of folks is impressive. So that, that would be my. There you go. Great stuff. Listen, man, thanks so much. We've been joined by Kevin Marchetti, who is a partner and chief risk officer at Varagon Capital Partners. Kevin, thanks for being on. Thank you, Stuart. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you like us, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We certainly appreciate it. My name is Stuart Foley, and this is the InsuranceAUM.com podcast. Thank you.